Hello, welcome to Free Your Children. I am your host, Tiffany Boyd, and my mission here at Free Your Children is to share the truth and love about education. There is a battle raging for the souls of our nation's children, and I hope this ministry prepares you for battle. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. Thank you to our Free Your Children sponsors and those that continue to support biblical education. I would like to thank Safe Storage for sponsoring tonight's show. If you have storage needs, contact Safe Storage of Columbia, Mount Pleasant, and Hohenwall at safestoragetn.com. If you would like to sponsor the Free Your Children radio show or Free Your Children, you can contact me at freeyourchildren at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, email, or you can find me at the Borough Pulse, where I am a monthly contributor, and all of my articles there are about education. So if you type in my name, Tiffany Boyd, and BoroughPulse.com, you can see all the articles that I have penned to date. Tell me, what's going on in your state legislature? Are there any bills in your House or Senate that seek to threaten parental rights or threaten biblical education in any way. If there are, please let me know about it because I would love to make sure that we inform our listeners across the nation about what's going on in terms of education. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Stephanie Seabolt. Stephanie is the wife to one amazingly supportive husband and mom to three awesome kids. She's currently in her 10th year of homeschooling and also teaches classes at the local co-op that her kids attend. She also operates a homeschool curriculum consignment business on the side. Stephanie is passionate about homeschooling and absolutely loves to help others get started on their journey or stay the course. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to have you on tonight. Stephanie and I met again through my Facebook page for your children. And so I wanted to have her on today. You're in North Carolina, correct, Stephanie? I am. Okay, that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about the homeschooling community in North Carolina. Uh, there's there's a lot of us and more concentrated depending on what area of the state you go to, of course. Um, where there's not been many homeschoolers, typically their groups are popping up all over the place. Um, there's a lot of Christian groups, thankfully, in North Carolina, and the majority of them seem to want to do things going by the law, which is really, really good because we don't have much that we have to do as far as state laws um, in North Carolina go anyway. What are your state laws in North Carolina, if you don't mind me asking? So in North Carolina, when your kids turn seven, you have to open a homeschool with the state department of non-public education. Um, you, which is just, you have to have a GED at least. Mm -hmm. um, you can submit proof of that, college transcripts, college degree, whatever you want to do after that point. You have to administer a nationally standardized test once a year, which is something like the CAT test, the Woodcock, Johnson, Stanford. There's a whole list of them. Right. And you just keep the results on file. You don't send them in anywhere. Okay. Um, 
you, there's no hour restrictions. There's no um, required number of days a year. We just have to do nine out of 12 months of the year for school. And you, most of us will go and print off an attendance check sheet. And we just, if we do school that day, then we check sheet for the day. Right. Um, we have to keep immunization records for each child or a vaccine exemption, which in North Carolina is either medical, which is incredibly hard to get, or religious, which you can write on a piece of paper. These vaccines do not align with our with my religious beliefs. So this child is exempt and you just copy the same thing for each child in your homeschool. Okay. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because our listeners, some of them might not be familiar with how homeschooling works. And I know that across the nation, laws vary from state to state. So thank you for clarifying for us exactly what you have to do to be legal in, in North Carolina if you choose to homeschool. You're welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about your family's personal homeschool journey? Oh, let's see. Uh, my oldest, who she's 17 now, um, she started at the public school that we were zoned for, for kindergarten. Kindergarten went fine. First grade started. And my child, who at the end of um, kindergarten was testing at maybe third grade level on most subjects, she was mm -hmm. bringing homework from the first six months of kindergarten. And I couldn't get any answers as to why from the school. So I called the county. And they, of course, sent a note to the principal at the school. And I got a conference call from the teacher for my child who was supposed to be in the classroom teaching at the time. And the principal telling me not to call the county for anything unless it was to say something good about the school. Wow. And this, this mama bear does not play on that kind of stuff. So we found a charter school and let her finish first grade out at the charter school and actually went so far as to have my middle son go through the kindergarten screening to see where he was and everything. And we, through a few different things, we decided that this wasn't going to be the next step that we were going to go with. And my husband actually was the one who said, we need to homeschool them, just mm -hmm. have them home. Mm -hmm. um, so we started my daughter's second grade year and my middle son's kindergarten year at home. And then at the time, my youngest was what we would call preschool age. So he was just kind of tagging along and right. it's been our journey ever since then. That's fantastic. Now, jumping back to homeschooling in North Carolina, you said that in, in North Carolina, where you are, there are a lot of options for Christian homeschoolers. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. In Tennessee, where we are, there aren't um, a lot of exclusively Christian homeschool communities. And of course, you know, we homeschool and because of the fact that we want to make sure that our children are receiving a biblical education. And of course, this radio show is on WXRQ, uh, 1460 AM Christian Radio. And so that is very important um, for our family in terms of the reason why we chose to homeschool. So I like to hear that there are avenues for Christians in other states and, and communities that they can connect with if they are homeschooling. And, and choose to seek out, you know, others that are Christians. So 
in your in your state of North Carolina, are there large homeschool organizations or do you find that the homeschool community is more broken off into the areas where you live? Um, we have North Carolinians for Home Education, which is basically like one big group that anybody in the state can join. They have a statewide graduation for seniors um, every May at the end of the state homeschool convention. Um, But other than that, it's more broken up as far as like where I'm at in North Carolina, we've got uh, two big ones in Greensboro that are, that are just co-ops. And then there's also one that's just for socialization or they, I think they also do testing and, um, like spelling bees and that kind of thing too. And then there's others in other counties and other cities. Right. That's fantastic. Do you, have you seen the number of homeschool families increase in North Carolina throughout the last few years? It has, um, with COVID and all all of that mess, we saw a lot of people who didn't want to do virtual. So they started homeschooling. And then when everything opened back up, we had a few go back. Mm-hmm. But we're still seeing people pulling their kids over, over over different things that are going on and starting to homeschool. Yes, that's that's what we're seeing, too. I think the national trend now is about 20 percent. It used to be two to three that were withdrawing and, and beginning to homeschool. But now it looks like the, the trend is 20 percent. And I fully expect that trend to continue to grow. Oh, yes, definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about school choice. How has school choice affected North Carolina? What are you seeing in the homeschool community in terms of school choice? We talk about that a lot on this radio show um, because if you followed me for a while over on Facebook or even listened to several of these radio shows, you will know that I am adamantly opposed to all forms of government monies funding private education. And the reason why is because I fully believe that what the government funds, it runs. And I believe that it is a global initiative to pretty much destroy all forms of private education by making it all public. So tell me what you're seeing in terms of school choice in North Carolina. Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) The new homeschoolers, not so much the old people, older people like me. Right. The new homeschoolers, I'm seeing a trend of they're not really so much for freedom. They want the government to give them their tax money back and pay for their curriculum and pay for private school tuition and extracurriculars and everything else instead of, I don't have to spend thousands of dollars like, the public school system does because I think in North Carolina it's like over ten thousand dollars per student unless mm-hmm. you've got an IEP and then it's more right um they're they they want somebody to pay for everything for them or they want them to pay for something that they don't have to you know actually hands-on teach their kids right which is scary absolutely Absolutely it is. And I we're seeing the same thing here in Tennessee. It's not, I call us the dinosaur homeschoolers, those that <laughs> have, been, have been homeschooling for 10, 15, uh, we're knocking on 20, year 20's door here. Um, 
those of us that have been around the block um, a time or two are still in touch, I think, with the struggles that many of the uh, pioneer homeschool families faced. You know, so many of them, and this was even before our time at almost 20 years, we thankfully never had to deal with the a threat of losing our children or arrest, but there were families, the pioneer homeschool families did face those things. And so I think the new crop of homeschoolers that are coming in, it's always been, um, homeschooling has always been available to them. They never had to, to struggle through any of that or fight any of those battles. So, you know, if you've never had to experience any of that, I think sometimes you tend to take those freedoms for granted. So a lot of the new homeschoolers or, or some of the new homeschoolers that are coming in that maybe haven't been educated as to why this is dangerous to their freedoms, see it as a way to help offset the cost of homeschooling. But what they don't realize is the cost is much more <laughs> than just the couple of thousand dollars that they might get back. It is, um, you know, really the cost is their freedom because with those monies come strings attached. And you know that, and I know that, and we're hoping to remove the scales from the eyes of those those newer homeschoolers that don't really realize that they're dipping their toes in some dangerous waters. And And I was uh, looking at some of your posts on your Facebook page and, and uh, you know, silently agreeing, or I was probably agreeing out loud. I do that sometimes, <laughs> talk to myself. <laughs> but several of your posts went back to the premise that homeschooling doesn't have to be expensive. Can you speak to, to us a little bit about that when you say homeschooling doesn't have to be expensive? I know that so many parents think that they have to purchase all these curriculums that are thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars and, and join in um you know, in certain programs that may require them to spend thousands of dollars, what would you say to a parent that that says to you, I need the money to follow my child into the homeschooling arena because homeschooling is so expensive? What would you say to them? I would say that that's more of a brainwashing thing, that they've got to, they've got to take the time to get get themselves out of and to de-school from this public school and private school mindset because you can go to the library and check out books. You don't have to have a math curriculum. You can pick up a Bible. Right. There's math all through the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, you can use the Bible for science. You can go and go one step more and get books. Let your kids pick a pick a topic that they like, uh, let's say Titanic, and we're going to go and we're going to research what they ate on the Titanic, or mm -hmm. if they're into Little House on the Prairie and Pioneer Times, okay, let's do some early American history, and we're going to figure out what they ate, we're going to do the same kind of artwork that they might have been able to look at in those times, and so on and so on, there's the library, you can go to different websites and pull up free um, free scans of all of these old books, old school books, even like Ray's Arithmetic. If you mm -hmm. want an actual math book, there's some math right there. Yes, it's really it's really a mindset, isn't it? We really have to yes. retrain ourselves to stop and consider 
what education really is, because most of us have been conditioned to believe that education is one thing, but that's not really what education is. <laughs> and you yes, touched. And I was, I was one of those. It, yes. For the first two or three years, we had I had the used school desks mm -hmm. and an actual what I called a classroom with the whiteboard screwed yep. onto the wall and mm -hmm. the pencil sharpener on the wall. Yep. Can you see me raising my hand? <laughs> that was me as well too you know I was a former public school classroom teacher so my idea of education was what I had been trained and conditioned to believe education was so I did all of those things too <laughs> tell us about de-schooling you spoke about de-schooling I've spoken about it but tell our listeners what you mean when you say de-schooling because I highly recommend that parents, and not just, you know, we say you should de-school your children, but really the parents need to de-school themselves as well. And I actually think that's probably more important. That's the first step that needs to happen because so many parents were like you and I in the fact that we thought education was what happens in the walls of a classroom. And I know I certainly needed to be de-schooled. And it's a, it, it, that's an ever-evolving process, too, as well. So when you say de-schooling, what are you talking about? Okay, so de-schooling is, for me, it for myself personally, it, it was took longer than it probably should have where I had to see that my kids didn't need to sit in a desk all day and I didn't have to stand at the board and write everything on the board and teach them like that. I had to finally release myself to know that, okay, it's, it's all right. If I've got one hanging upside down off <laughs> of the couch reading, and I've got another one outside sitting on the trampoline, working on their math. And for my kids, it was more of, well, just with the one that had been in school, it was more of just because they're not spending all day long working on their school and they're done within two hours or less, that's fine. Um, it didn't, learning didn't always have to look like sitting still. It was going out in the woods and playing, or it was getting in the kitchen and cooking, or it was having them clean their room, which doesn't happen as much anymore, or <laughs> throwing in a load of laundry or taking out the trash or helping a neighbor out with something or hold even holding the door for somebody right yes it's learning and homeschooling is it's all encompassing it's not just you know however many hours they're doing book work it's life right exactly it is um, homeschooling I think that was the that was the um catalyst that I had to reach as far as um really understanding what homeschooling was for me. And, and there were several books that I read that helped with that process too, but it, you really have to come to the realization that homeschooling is really just an extension of parenting and doing life together as a family. And I think once you come to that realization, then you can really move forward in terms of what you want your homeschooling to look like within your family. Did you find that to be the case too? Oh, it totally was because I, especially over the last few years, it's been, okay, when we put the books down, this this isn't all because we're having discussions and we're talking about things and getting things done. And it's not school hours. It might be 
doing something at nine o'clock at night when mama's ready to go to bed. Right. But that's, <laughs> that's what works better for whatever we're doing. Well, absolutely. And every single waking moment is a learning opportunity. So I think, again, we've been conditioned to believe that education or schooling only happens within, you know, the hours of eight to three, you know, the traditional school day for most people, and that it has Mm -hmm. to be done during that time. And if it's not being done during that time, then learning is not occurring. But when you homeschool and you take the opportunity to de-school and then your children um, begin to find the joy in learning again, and you can really create a culture and an environment where you're fostering a lifetime love of learning. And I've seen that. We've graduated three children and our younger son who is in college is still at home. And there are often times when he will come home from from school or and he sees us, you know, still um, in the middle of our homeschool day. And he has often said to us that, you know, he misses homeschooling. You know, he misses all the learning opportunities that we had together as a family. But it really, I I can see in my children that it has fostered the love of learning even as an adult, because if they see something that they're interested in, they'll go on their own because it really fosters independent learning and explore that and seek that out, you know, on their own. Have you seen that with your own children through your homeschooling journey? If they have an interest, do you see them kind of going off and doing their own um, self-exploration into that topic or genre? I do. Um, I have at least two, if not all three, that have some level of ADHD and they get hyper-focused really easily. So for example, my middle one, when he was a little bit younger, he was absolutely obsessed with the Titanic and World War II. Mm-hmm. And it was, we learned about it through unit studies, but he would go and pick up books at when he got done with the kids section of the library it was the adult section of the library and four o'clock in the morning he'd be coming and waking me up telling me something about the Titanic or one of the sister ships or a battle for World War II and it's he had learned all of that on his own I didn't teach Mm -hmm. it to him right and And then my oldest one is yeah yeah, my (laughs) oldest one is art so it's she's doing She's self-teaching herself. Uh-huh. We had the same experience with with our um, younger two girls. They are very much um, artists, and they have done lots of their own independent study and taught themselves a lot, um, you know, about different art mediums and, and artists and, you know, all those things. So it's really fantastic to watch them be able to come into their own and, and that self-discovery and, and the spark that homeschooling creates to launch them into being interested in going out and, and being self-learned. And it really does create a culture of, of lifetime learning, I believe. Tell us about the homeschooling community as far as diversity in North Carolina. Um, do you have a, a, a recent conversation over on my Free Your Children Facebook page kind of sparked this discussion? Are all of your homeschool families, would you say, do they come from um, a family with a mom and a dad where one parent goes to work and one stays home? Or do you have single moms that homeschool? You know, what does your, your homeschool community look like there in North Carolina? It's a little bit of everything. We've got 
families where the mom stays home and the dad goes to work. We've got families where both parents work and they're homeschooling when they get done Mm -hmm. or they're working off the schedules. We've got single parent families that it's, it's pretty much a little bit of everybody. That's what we see here, you know, in, in Tennessee as well. And I think that's one of the misconceptions. And I've written an article about um, shattering the misconceptions when it comes to homeschooling. But I think that a lot of families have the misconception that people who homeschool are coming from a place of privilege and that they have all this extra money and all this extra time. And so they can homeschool, but no one else can homeschool. But as you've said, there are, the homeschooling community is so diverse. We have dual working parents that homeschool. We have single moms that homeschool. Um, We have families that, like you said, both parents work and they have to rotate schedules or find the time to, um, you know, homeschool when they're not working at work and they're doing it wonderfully well and they're succeeding and their children are thriving. So what are some, do you see those misconceptions about homeschooling as well? And what would you say to someone that says, well, you know, well, you're privileged, so you get to homeschool, but not everyone can homeschool. What would you say to them? I would say that, so I have, I have seen, heard the privilege argument. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that they probably need to look at the homeschool community around them through, um, try to look at it through unbiased eyes Mm -hmm. so that they actually take the opportunity to talk to some of these families and talk to a wide range of them instead of just looking at what they see when they first walk in the door of say a co-op where it's all the moms sitting in the lobby, but they're not seeing the ones who had to go to work and they've got grandma doing drop-off or they've got dad doing hall monitor duty Mm -hmm. at co-op because both because the mom can't be there because she's the one who has to be at work then. Right. Right. And, you know, I've spoken about this, again, this conversation sparked this uh, this debate um, about homeschooling and about those that can and can't homeschool. And I think what, I think it's just a conditioning that our society has, has been conditioned to believe and indoctrinated to believe is that not everyone can homeschool, not everyone is qualified to homeschool, and nothing can be further from the truth. There's actually very few people who legally cannot homeschool. I think what a lot of people are really saying when they say not everyone can homeschool is that oftentimes not everyone is willing to make the sacrifices necessary to be able to put them in a position where they can homeschool. Is that what you see as well? I think a lot of people realize that with homeschooling, sacrifices are going to have to be made. And so oftentimes it means giving up the standard of living that they are currently enjoying. And I know for our family, it meant going from two incomes to one. We sold vehicles. Uh, We had to drastically change our standard of living and our lifestyle to be able to live off that one income. And so sacrifices had to be made. They continually have to be made. So what would you what would you say in terms of that? Do you see that as well? I do. Um, what I see with a lot of people is they say that you 
you know, it would be nice to have their kids at home, but X, Y, Z can't happen. But then it's a fact of, like you said, they're conditioned to think that it's a money thing and it's not, they don't, if they looked at it, they don't want to give up their cable subscription or they don't want to give up their two cruises a year and their four trips to the beach. And they don't want to give up, they don't want to make the sacrifices that they need to make for what they already know needs to happen and what God's already put on their heart. Hey, this is what needs to happen. But then they're saying, God, I, I, I don't want to give up that trip to the Bahamas this year. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have to, and this is why it needs to happen. And this is then that's when you come to the point of, okay, so I know God, you're telling me this needs to happen. So you're going to have to show me where I need to cut. Right. And we have to be willing to let him lead, right? Yes. And we have to be willing to listen. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think sometimes people get, um, it's it's more conviction than it is anger when you tell them something that they they really know in their heart is true, but it's just that um, they're convicted. And then when we're convicted, we are forced to deal with that conviction. We either have to ignore it or we have to heed to it. So I think it's it's mm-hmm. difficult, you know, for a lot of people. And I'm not saying that these decisions are always easy. Um, we know that anything worth having is difficult. And we also know that the Lord provides. So if you're listening to this radio show tonight and you're one of those people that say, well, I would really love to be able to homeschool my children, but I just can't do it. I would ask you to really pray about it and think about it and really evaluate your circumstances because there there is a way most of the time that you can make it happen. You just have to be willing to make those sacrifices. And there's tons of support, you know, and and that's the thing. This ministry for your children seeks to equip parents to be able to make the leap from public school to homeschooling. So it's not like we're telling you all those things and there are no resources available. There are resources everywhere to help you. Um, I would start uh, by going to my church and finding out if they support biblical education. If they don't, um, I would highly encourage the pastor of that church to to start supporting biblical education because we know that so many children are falling away from their faith and we're losing our youth um, because of the sheer numbers of indoctrination that they're receiving in the public school system where they're taught that their faith is a lie. So it is a crisis of epic proportions and the church really needs to stand up and and help parents navigate these waters. Do you have churches in your area, Stephanie, that are supportive of homeschooling and and parents accepting the biblical mandate to teach and disciple their own children? We have some. Um, I wasn't really seeing as much right around me. So we have to, we actually started going to one uh, about 30 minutes away from us that we travel to. And right. they're actually super supportive of homeschooling and have started a small co-op at their church. Um, The ones, the problem, the problem that I'm seeing right in my local area is that pastors are, they're not willing to step up and say, this is what the Bible says you need to do. Right. They're saying, Oh, it, 
that's the parent's choice. And it's, it's not our place to say anything because we don't want to step on any toes. Exactly. And, and I've written an article about this as well. It's called the elephant in the room that you can find on boroughpulse.com. And I think the reason why is we know that upwards of 85% of Christian parents send their children to public schools. And I think that pastors know that if they preach this message, which is truth from the pulpit, that it's going to offend several of those families or the majority of those families in the congregation. And with offense, oftentimes those families will leave and then they will take their tithes and offerings and their monies with them. So, you know, if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, you know, I would strongly encourage you to ask yourself, am I leading this flock to go out and create disciples or am I seeing this as a business transaction? Because the reality is if all the children, if the majority of the children in your flock fall away, there aren't going to be any disciples to go forward. There aren't going to be, there's not going to be anyone left. So at some point, the church is going to have to stand up and address this or the church is going to die out. It's just statistically, that's what's going to happen. So I'm glad that you found a church that is supporting homeschooling. But I hope that, you know, more pastors and church leaders around the nation that are listening to this radio show will realize that this is something that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later. Um, are you seeing in your community pods and micro schools popping up before we have to jump off here, uh, Stephanie? Because that's a trend that I'm seeing nationwide as well. We, we've we seen them try to pop up. Um, usually the ones of us who are old school, we're, we actually have read the law. And in North Carolina, they're not legal. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, you can can only homeschool your kids and the kids from one other family. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when when all the shutdowns happened, people were telling teachers, oh, you can make XYZ amount of money. Yeah. And if you just have a little like a one room schoolhouse type setup and you you can't do that. So we're we're usually pretty quick to tell people that no, you can't do it, but then you know they're still they're still doing it. So it's more a matter of educating them as to hey you you really can't do this legally and you're risking messing things up for all the rest of us who were actually trying to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. Right. And and also, and I'll encourage parents as well, when, when you're letting someone else lead and direct your child's education for the majority of the day, you're still abdicating that responsibility to someone else. And so you have no autonomy or control over what your child's being taught because you're not there. You're not the one doing it. So I will caution parents that, you know, we know what's going on in the public school systems. And most Christians, I would say, do not agree with it. Um, Some of them still choose to send their children into that environment. Some of them are pulling them out. And if that's you, if you're just pulling them out and then you're abdicating your responsibility to some other entity for the majority of their day, you're still not leading and directing your children's education. And you're still running the risk that whomever you're abdicating that responsibility to is going to be imparting their worldview on your children, and you're not going to be the primary influence. So I I encourage parents to assume that biblical responsibility, and you can do it, and we're here to help you. And I know that um, Stephanie is right on track with me in terms of helping many families and, and probably has helped 
tons of families throughout her 10 years of homeschooling to be able to navigate homeschooling and do it successfully. So thank you, Stephanie, for all of your help and all of the hard work that you do there in North Carolina for homeschoolers. Um, I want to leave you with this. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. If you're interested in homeschooling, you can do it, parents. Ask. Pray about it. Go to your church. Ask them for help. And there are those of us who are willing to help you. We love you here at WXRQ. But remember, Jesus loves you so much more. Good night and God bless.